I'm excited to be back home. Uh, this is home for me. And the reason is because for us, as a family, uh, Prairie Hill uh, Free Church has, was one of the first church that uh, we fellowship with, our children fellowship with here in Minnesota when the Lord sent us to the Twin City. And uh, on behalf of my wife, my family, we want to thank you all for your partnership, for your love, for your grace, and for all your prayers. We're very, very grateful with your financial support, too. Ever since uh, when we came here, there are so many challenges. In fact, when we're working on our uh, status uh, change in the church, willingly, you know, welcome us to do a fundraising here, and you guys tremendously support us. And even the cause of what happened with us last year, uh, Prairie Hill has been behind us. You've been so terrific, great, and uh, we can't thank you enough. We can't thank you enough. I think it's not by mistake that uh, you became one of the first uh, American church after all that had happened to us to come here and share the gospel and also share a little bit testimony of uh, what the Lord has done in our lives. And uh, it's not going to be fear for my wife if I don't invite her to say a word. And I believe many of you will not like that because she, yeah. So with that, I want to invite you to come over here to say hello to the church. As she comes up, I want to also thank uh, Pastor, the relationship with uh, Pastor Jeremy when he was here, and I, we had a very good relationship. Yeah, you can just come around here, and uh, that would be okay, I think. And uh, now, Pastor Mark. Uh, Pastor Mark, uh, ever since we met as if we are twin Brothers, you know, you can see probably our heart is almost the same. <laughs> and, you know, when he comes to take our daughter, sometimes we spend time on sharing the messages that God uses. us. It has been a blessing, you know, for God to speak with you, either in your private, uh, personal devotion, and then you have somebody to impact them with the word of God. So it has been a great relationship. We've been praying for him, and we join you in praying that the Lord will grant him a successful mission over there. And uh, when the time comes, he will bring him back and other people safely. Okay, Kashim. Good morning, church. Good morning. Um, it's good to be back. As my husband said, uh, we are so blessed to have you all in our lives. Uh, we cannot thank you enough for what you are doing for the growth of the uh, kingdom of God. Thank you for being part of our life. Last year was a difficult year for us, but because you have been in our lives and many people, those we know, those we don't know, stood behind us, and that's why you see the peace and joy of the Lord in our, on our faces, thanking God for allowing us to be used by him to bring out uh, to bring glory to his name 
I know it's, 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 not, it's not something easy for one to go through this and still give God the glory. But it's because of the grace that God has given to us as his children. He said, there's, there's no any temptation that is, that is not common to everyone. So everyone is facing different temptation and trials. But God has promised that he will always give us a way out of it. And that's what he has done in my life, that he has given me a second chance to live. And I don't take it for granted. I'll live each day to continue to praise him, to continue to give him all the glory, and to use my situation to encourage other people to stand. God, never, God loves us, and he chooses us. He chooses each person to showcase his glory, it's left for us to say, no, Lord, I don't want you to use me that way. But since God has chosen me at this generation to, to help me stand, to continue to trust him and my family, I want to tell God thank you and thank you all and continue to pray for me, for strength as I continue to learn how to walk again. I thank God for my husband and many of you in the church have been part of me in the hospital. You came to visit and thank you so much. God bless us all. Thank you. Thank you, Keshem, and uh, for such a testimony. Uh, as you all know, that uh, we are part of uh, the missionaries of this church. It's important for us to share with you what the Lord is doing out there with us. And even though last year was quite a challenge for us as a family even the ministry, and virtually all the churches and ministry. Uh, but uh, God has been so faithful. Uh, through your prayers, God has seen us through uh, with this challenge of what happened to my wife. You are all aware that, uh, of the problem, which I will not take time to narrate the whole story, uh, it's a lot of complication, and we want to thank God for so many of you that were there for us in the area of medical. Uh, our sister Louis has been helpful right from the day that Jumai was hospitalized, and I plead with the doctors because I am limited. I don't have the knowledge, uh, medical knowledge. I have a friend that is into medical. She's a medical personnel if she can always be on the phone. And they accepted that. So Louis knows the whole story from the beginning to the end. There's one night where I called and I put her on the phone and the doctor said to me, they have reached their limitation. Uh, Probably, you know, this night, Juma is gone. And uh, unlike me, when she, the doctor asked me if I have anything to say, I said no. And when she left, and uh, Louis said, oh, Reverend Dr. Jim wants to 
pray with you. And he started praying and uh, encouraging me that, you know, Jumai, we all know her. She's a faithful servant of the Lord, and, and you know where she's going. So be strong. And uh, so as he was speaking, I had a voice inside me that says that Jumai will not die. And I didn't know even when I told Jean that the Lord says Jumai will not die. And he prayed. We prayed together. And uh, behold, today she's here to testify of the grace of the mighty power of God. So we give God the glory. Uh, When I was invited to come and speak, I we're going through a series in our church. It's a message I think the church universal need to hear. We have to go back to that old time religion where the gospel is the center message of the church. And the Lord guides me to Second Timothy chapter one. Second Timothy as a book. And inside of this I'm going to share with you this morning. So if uh, you have your Bible, or you can open to 2 Timothy chapter 2, chapter, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, I'm going to read 11 to 14. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald, apostle, and teacher. And that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to guide what has been entrusted to me until that day. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. The Lord give us the understanding of his word in Jesus' name. Dear Lord, we have read from your word. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you guide us you will take absolute control and you will speak your word through me. Father, you promise in your word that your word will not go out and come back void, but it will accomplish its purpose. Father, your word is a double-edged sword, but the speaker and the listener, it pierces into our heart. It encourages us it challenges us. It helps us, O oh God, to see who we are and to come before you in humility. Father, Lord, we pray that your word will accomplish its purpose in our lives this morning in the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul wrote the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy 
He is the author of these two books. Unfortunately, the Bible does not provide us with the detailed background information of the situation. However, it is apparent that when Paul was released from his Roman imprisonment at the end of Acts, it stated there, he enjoyed a few more years of freedom before being rearrested and imprisoned in Rome. Paul composed this letter while in prison in Rome for the second time, after which he was sentenced and executed by Nero. As a result of 2 Timothy, it's not Paul's final letter, but it is also contained a note of urgency and zeal to accomplish what he had stood for his entire life. From a man who knew he will be executed shortly. Considering Paul's fate or destiny, he invested the whole components of the gospel in Timothy. If you start to read from verse 1 to where we have stopped, you will see he spoke about so many things that involved the component of the gospel. He spoke about prayer. He has been praying for Timothy. He has spoke about the strong faith that has been built in Timothy. He has spoken a lot of issues that relate to the gospel. As we reflect and think about the suffering that befall us the year 2021, our desire as human is that next year things will get better. But what did the Bible or the scripture says about the end time? Paul spoke about the end time. In fact, Paul seems to sound as if even their time, they are already in the end time. With all the kind of persecution, suffering they have gone through for the sake of the gospel. He stated in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 about the perilous time in the last days. He said, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, loves, lovers of money, boosters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despiser of good, traitors, headstrong, hearty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. In the last days, there will be previous time. I don't know if you will agree with me, but most scholars you know, that interprets the end time, we all agree that we are already in the end time. Because virtually all that Paul has written here is coming to pass. The word translated perilous has the idea of troubles, difficulty, and stressful situations. This sort of atmosphere will mark the last days. The characteristics Paul describes speak not of bad times, not of war, 
not of famine or disease, nor any of the other calamities or ills which Jesus prophesied in Matthew chapter 24, but of bad people who are wicked and deprived ways of men. If you look at verse 13, he said, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse. Evil men refers to the obvious, open enemies of Jesus. Impostors refer to those who appear good and many things of as fine, but they are actually destructive forces among Jesus' followers. Regarding their message, Paul warns us in Second uh, Timothy chapter two verse sixteen. He said, "But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message spread like cancer." The message of profane and vain babblings may spread quickly and be popular. They are like a cancer that spread fast and captures an audience. In such terrible times of the wickedness of men, to which you will hardly know who, will, who to trust, how can we, Christian, live and share the love of the gospel? Despite the terrible times Paul's incredible commitment to the gospel amidst of persecution is unbelievable. Paul also faced terrible times. And despite all those times, he was committed to the gospel. So he, he kind of used his experience to share with us how we should live in this perilous time that we are facing. What is the evidence for Paul's commitment to the gospel? First, his unprecedented engagement in the gospel. I don't think among all the apostles, there's anyone among them that was so committed to to the gospel. No wonder God used him to write virtually most New Testament epistles because of his commitment. Verse 11 says, and the gospel, I was appointed a herald preacher, an apostle evangelist, and a teacher of the Gentiles. Paul is a man with many caps when it comes to the gospel. He remembers his faithfulness and commitment in the sermons he preached and evangelized the churches he founded and led as an apostle and the Diverse nation he brought to Jesus Christ, a teacher of the Gentiles. Paul, because he understood the incredible opportunity to partner with God in the gospel, was everywhere. You talk of Bible study, he's there. You talk of prayer, he's there. He doesn't want to waste his time because he understands the opportunity to partner with God in the gospel. You talk about the teacher. He's the teacher of the Gentiles. He, he said, I became all things to all men so that I can bring them to the seven knowledge of Christ. What a commitment. How committed are we 
to the gospel. He's willing to suffer for the gospel. It's another evidence. Verse 12a. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Paul knew that though he preached a wonderful message, it cost him dearly along the way. His present suffering in prison was because of his heavenly commitment. Third, he is unashamed of the gospel. Verse 12b. He is unashamed of the gospel. Paul understood again that it was a privilege to suffer for such a great gospel. So far from being unashamed, he was honored to be suffering, to go through suffering. He was honored to be despised. Paul mentioned ashamed several times in this letter. In verse 1, chapter 1, verse 7. Uh, chapter 1 verse verse 7 verse 8 and verse 12 he talks about a shame Paul's imprisonment and probable sentence of death have caused fear in in his own associates fear of being contaminated in the eyes of the authorities some people will not identify with him in fact he said virtually the church in Rome all of them despise him except a family just a family that identify with him. Many of them despise him. Some of his one-time friends have already deserted him. In particular, Demas. He mentioned one of them from verse, uh, verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 10. And he is still feeling that pain. And Timothy was certainly struggle, struggling with shame. Or else Paul wouldn't have brought it up as shame. So Paul deal head on with the subject in this letter to Timothy through his personal experience. Paul seems to be ashamed. Uh, Timothy seems to be ashamed of Paul being in prison. He said to him, do not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and me. Why would Paul say that if he has not understand that Timothy, this great Timothy, great pastor, he's already ashamed of this great apostle of Christ. Can you imagine all the miracles God has used Paul? His name is everywhere. All of a sudden, all of us to reject him, to despise him because he has been in prison. That's the situation. It's unbelievable. So Paul... Encourage Timothy never to be ashamed. He deals with this issue immediately. Jesus instructed his disciples never to be ashamed of him or his words in Mark chapter 8, verse 28 and 38, Luke chapter 9, verse 26. Yet when Jesus was arrested, his disciples fled. Matthew chapter 26, 56. Peter's shame resulted in flat-out denial. He denied Jesus. It's not easy when you're confronted with either your life or your death, life or death. So that's where people will know who, where you stand. And Paul encouraged the Romans 
Romans chapter 1 verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God that brings salvation first to the Jews and then to Gentiles. Not only was Paul not ashamed of the gospel, he was bold in sharing it. Because the gospel isn't politically correct in many cycles. We are tempted to downplay or be silent about our faith in the Bible and in Jesus. We, like Timothy, can be ashamed to testify about our Lord. Because it may result in us losing status in the eyes of others. Shame on us if that is our position. I remember my wife when we came here earlier, when we came to the Twin Cities, she was she was still in school. She had one semester to go in her uh, master's in Christian education, and so she had to be going back and forth, and uh, she has to use the uh, what do you call that bus? Mega bus or? Greyhound sometimes, uh, that's how I, you know, I, I always joke with her. I say, your flight is almost time for your, you to go for your flight, and she will laugh over it. And, when, you know, when, when you're in Greyhound, they usually have a kind of stopover for eating. And, and so in that, at that stop, when they stop, and you may went to the, resta- uh, uh, to the restaurant, yeah, and got some food, and, and every, many of them were, everybody was sitting Eating. When she drove, when she kept her food there, she started eating. Before she started eating, she bowed and prayed. After she was, when she prayed and she was eating her food, a lady came by her and said, Excuse me, I saw what you've done. I am ashamed of myself. I am a Christian. But I am ashamed even to bow so that people will not even identify me as a Christian. But you have taught me a lesson today. I will never be ashamed to testify, to showcase myself as Christian. And I tell you, Jumei is not ashamed. Even me, myself, I even encourage her. We already have the prosthetic, the hands prosthetic. Even the, 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 the legs are there. I said, can you wear it today? She said, no. She's not ashamed. Regardless of even her situation, she's not ashamed. And never have we asked God why. We've never asked him. But one thing we know, one thing I believe, Satan can use any means to attack his children. And I believe that is one of those attacks. To test my faith, to test her own faith, to the glory of God, God has granted us victory. So what are the motivation of Paul's incredible commitment to the gospel? His genuine knowledge of God and unshakable beliefs. You look at verse 6, verse 12c. For I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded. This explains why Paul was so bold in his work. And how he could feel honor by circumstances that might make him ashamed. Others will feel ashamed 
when they are in his situation. But he was bold to continue to share the gospel. He said that it was because I know whom I believe. Paul knew the God he entrusted and served. We must know what we believe, but it is even more important to know whom we believe. When we know how great God is, when God and his glory becomes the great fact of our lives, then we have real boldness. That is why Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 says, But the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. What is your knowledge of that, the God that we serve? Who is that God to you? He is transcendent. He is a transcendent God, meaning the earth, the heaven, the firmament, they are all, he is outside. The creative order is beyond the creative order. So you cannot match God with the order of the creation of the world. How great can we comprehend that the heavens, the earth, the universe, the galaxies, everything, he transcends them. So it, what it means in his eternity past, there was nothing in existence, only God. It's beyond our imagination. It's beyond even the spirit being's imagination. Even it's beyond angels, the fallen angels, Satan imagination. This is the God that you and I, this little me, that God has given me opportunity to fellowship with him, to partner with him in the gospel. If you know that, if you know your God, there's nothing that will shake you. You become unshakable. Whatever situation, God will give you the grace. As human, yeah, there will be that kind of fear sometimes. But when you come back to him, just like he encouraged us in these subsequent verses to do, he will uphold us. And what else that helped Paul. What else did Paul committed to Jesus? Surely he first had in mind his own life. Paul knew he could not keep his own life. He knew that only God could keep it. God was able. Paul was not. Knowing this made Paul full of boldness. But it wasn't boldness in self, but in God. Jesus said, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Matthew 16, 23 and 25. But it wasn't only his life that Paul had committed to God. Paul had committed everything to Jesus. Like our song today, one of the songs. He rescues us. He delivers us from the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. And therefore, we ought to give him everything. 
Are we really giving him everything? Are we committed to give him everything? Each one of us ought to reflect and respond to God. You see, whenever I'm a, I'm a worshiper, I don't know, I don't have beautiful voice like a pastor over there. But you know what? When I spend time in prayer, sometimes in the night I spend like two hours worshiping the Lord. And one secret about, I know about worship is you need to meditate. The words, those lyrics, don't be carried away by the sounds. Make sure you reflect. Let's make sure you communicate with God. As I was singing the, those songs, I was just thinking, am I really giving everything to God? Paul had committed everything to Jesus. His life, his body, his character, and reputation, his life's work. Everything that was so precious to him. Even his education. He was a professor, right? He was a professor. He was a lawyer. Great, prof- great profession that he has. Very honored man. He said, count them what? Useless for knowing Jesus Christ. What he's saying to us is that wherever you are, in your place of work, you are missionary. It's all about the gospel. Your character, our character, supposed to magnify the name of Jesus. And I pray that the Lord will give us the grace. In fact, I forgot to talk about my friend there with their new baby, Sarah, and her husband. Nat, Nat came alongside with us. Our brother, uh, Bill, they all came around. And so many of you came alongside in order to pour in our life during this crisis to help us fix our house so that Juma will be comfortable when she comes back. That is the gospel right there. So that's what Paul is saying. He said he's committed everything to God. And then he went on to say, until that day. Paul had in mind either the day he will see Jesus or the day Jesus came for him. That day was so precious to Paul because he had committed everything to Jesus. And that's why he said, Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Because there's nothing he said for me to live here on earth is Christ to die is gain. It's because he has committed everything to Jesus. To what degree do we commit our life and all we are and have to Jesus. I need to ask this question. I need to respond to this question. My, it's a personal question. 
To what degree? The degree we commit our lives to Jesus determine whether that day will be precious to us or not. Whether we are desperate to see him come back. When you don't see, when you find yourself, you are not, you don't desire to see Jesus comes back, then check out your life. Check your relationship with God. Check the issue of the gospel. Are you serious with the gospel? When the church calls for a need, do you give for the gospel? It's unbelievable. This church is great. Just a call, $6,000, to God be the glory. Paul instructed Timothy on what to do. To be able to commit their life, his life, the church, to victory in this end time. He said, hold fast, verse 13 to 14. Hold fast the pattern of sound teaching, the gospel. Sound teaching, sound doctrine. Which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit and dwell in us. Sound teaching and obedience to the Holy Spirit determine our commitment to living the gospel in the end times. You, we have to constantly study the word, have intimacy with God, and always listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Speaking about that day, when Paul will meet with Jesus, he said, in, in chapter 4, verse 7 to 8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Will God... Welcome you with these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your masters. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. Oh, will God say to you, you wicked, lazy servant, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew chapter 25, 26 and 30. Let's pray. I want you to make a reflection of your life with this word. Father, here we are. We've heard from your word. Please, Lord. We stand in awe of your word. As your people, 
as we all meditate on your word. Holy Spirit, give us the grace. Where we found wanting, give each one of us the grace. Give us the humility, O God, to bring change, to submit, to recommit our commitment to you. Father, we thank you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.